Isaiah chapter 43. Turn to verse 1 if you want to turn there. But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel. Fear not, everyone say, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. So if we are his children and he is our father, if he's our redeemer, our God, our friend, there's some promises that come attached that we all can use and appreciate. He's, he said in verse 2, he said, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, not if thou walkest through the fire, he said, when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Some powerful promises there tonight. And I'm wondering if we would just pause and pray about those promises for a moment and ask God to allow them to be a part of our lives. Would you do that? Would you make that your prayer for a moment tonight? Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for every promise that you've made available for your people. God, we've been grafted into that, that vine of Israel and God, the promise you had for him is available for us. We're asking tonight, Jesus, that you would be that fence around us, be that protection that you said that you would be. God, I pray for someone that's walking through a very difficult season right now, that misunderstanding wouldn't rule the day, but God, I pray that revelation would move in this room and that your word would illuminate the area of life that's concerning them right now, that's confusing them. And I pray that when we leave this room, we would walk with confidence, knowing that you are on our side. God, knowing that you are in control, knowing that you're our God and we are your people. Father, I pray that someone that feels alone right now, that you would allow them to sense your presence. God, I pray that someone that always feels like the message is for someone else, that they realize tonight you're speaking to them. God, I pray that you would open someone's heart. Do a work. God, do a work that only you can do in somebody's heart, in their life, we pray. In Jesus' name, we ask it. And the church shouted, amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. It was on May the 1st of 2016 that a wildfire began southwest of Fort McMurray, Alberta, Canada. On May the 3rd, it swept through the community, forcing the largest wildfire evacuation in Alberta's history. With upwards of 88,000 people forced from their homes, uh, it, 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 the firefighters were assisted by personnel from the Canadian Forces, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, and other Canadian provincial agencies were called upon to fight that fire. Aid for evacuees were provided by various government and agencies and donations swept in from across our country to help the people. I, I don't know if you remember that time or not, but I, I remember being riveted by people's uh, Facebook videos or videos that were posted on YouTube of, of people literally driving through the fire. How that the ashes were coming down on the vehicles and the fire was sweeping down the roadway, uh, down the sides of the roadway on both sides. And, and people, no doubt, fearing for their lives, but not left with any alternative but to leave there in that moment. And that fire, that horrible fire, uh, destroyed approximately 2,400 homes and buildings. Another 2,000 residents in three communities were displaced. Their homes were declared unsafe for reoccupation. It was a tremendous tragedy that was, that was caused as a result of that fire. 
As a matter of fact, the estimated damage of, the co- of all the costs was in the, in the vicinity of $9.9 billion, which put it as the costliest disaster in Canadian history. The greatest disaster in our history was caused by a fire. I looked for causes of the fire, and they, they believed that it was human error. Human uh, humanity caused that disaster to occur. It's horrible. Nobody looks at that fire as being something of benefit. Nobody looks at nobody that lost their homes would look at it as something that was beneficial. It was horrible. It was tragic. It was, it was terrible. It was fear-filled. It was all the things that we don't want in our lives. I don't know if you've ever seen the ferocity, uh, ferocity, ferocity, ferociousness. Did I just make a word? The horrible tragedy of fire face on. I, I, I have. I remember there was one day, this is actually a bonfire that we had here in the church parking lot. You can see Royal Field in the background. Um, don't tell the fire marshal. I think they have my name on file over there. Um, with good reason. It was one day we were, uh, <clears throat> you know, it was, it was all winter, as a matter of fact. We were in a building construction project here in the church. And, and all winter, in the snowbank out here, we had built a little fire just to kind of get rid of some of the wooden debris. We'd burn it hot and, and uh, not a lot of smoke. Just keep it out of the dumpster, kind of. Well, <clears throat> like spring does every year, spring came. And like it does every year, the snow left. And the fires continued because the debris kept coming. We weren't burning garbage. We weren't burning tires. We weren't burning wire. We weren't burning anything. We were, we were just getting rid of wood, some wooden debris. And, and it was just a, a, few, a matter of, of a few weeks that the field went from being soaking wet and snow-filled to dry and like tinder. And for, for some reason, it never, I think it was just habit took Start a little fire in the morning, just kind of tend it, throw some stuff on there. Well, that was not the best idea as the field dried out. We hadn't mowed it in the previous season, and so the grass was there. And and I remember this particular day we went out, and the wind had kind of picked up. Dwayne Shelley and I was a a guy that was helping me lug some stuff out. And I thought, well, we'll just get rid of a bit of this stuff right here. Um, I'd seen my dad do it a million times. It was how we cleaned up around the camp. Uh, where, where our camp is on the Kingston Peninsula. And, you know, I grew up, that was, that, growing up, dad would always have a fire with a bunch of leaves burning in the corner of the, the lawn. He'd have something, he'd have, maybe a bit pyromaniac, I don't know. And that, this particular day, anyhow, I remember starting that fire, and as, I wasn't, I wasn't abandoning it, I didn't leave, I didn't go away, I, I was being careful, or, th- or so I thought. And, and uh, I remember watching it, I was standing there, I thought, you know, <clears throat> I probably should put that out over there because it had caught on the grass. It had gone out of the little fire spot that we had normally kept. And, and before I could even really respond, I went over to try and put it out. And as I tried to stamp out this little, little patch, literally like two feet by two feet, as I tried to stamp that out, I watched as the wind picked that up and began to carry it out into the field. I think the only word that I spoke in that moment was, uh-oh, uh-oh, that, that's not good. And the wind, uh, the, the, the field was at just the, the, 
the wrong or the right dryness. It was just like tinder. And as that wind caught it, it literally shot across the field, probably about as fast as I could run, was as fast as that fire was moving. And it went out across the field, and then it kind of come around this side of the building. And there was a bunch of birch trees all along this back half. So it kind of came around. And this is in the matter of minutes. I'm literally like, I, I remember running out for a bucket of water. I was like, like that, Jack, that's not, sorry, that's not going to do it. And Terry Lynn Stewart was here working at the time, and, and she kind of, Hollowed out, she said, do you want a fire extinguisher? I said, yes. And at that point, thankfully, the Haviland Lions had hayed the field out back, so it didn't catch in the big field, but it did catch in this, uh, all the, the debris that had been left in the trees back here by, by this side of the building and all the leaves that had been there from the year before. Uh, As a matter of fact, I remember looking into the sky, and it was completely black. And Jocelyn Durrett was smart enough to call my wife and say, what is your husband doing now? <laughs> because all of Marysville could see. Is that true, Jocelyn? Is Jocelyn here? She's not here. <laughs> all of Marysville could see something was happening at CCC. The good news is I did get it out before the fire trucks arrived. The bad news is, is they did arrive and asked, who started this fire? <laughs> I was standing right here in front of the, whoever was in command. I said, I did. <laughs> He's, he was not happy with me, as he shouldn't have been. He said, well, you're going to get a fine. I said, all right. Bring it on. <laughs> I was just glad the fire was out. Someone shout, amen. amen. So they came around with their truck, made sure it was out. They sprayed everything down, hosed it down. And I, I heard him on the radio. He called the chief, and he said to the chief, I hope I'm not getting anybody in trouble right now. <clears throat> this was decades ago. <laughs> Maybe not decades, but probably a decade. He called the chief on the radio. Yeah, I got, a, I got the guy here that started the fire. What do you want me to do? So I was standing right there. And I've never seen disappointment on a fireman's face before, but the chief radioed back and he said, Tell them not to do it again. Say, you got my word, chief. <laughs> I promise. And I haven't. I've never started another fire. As a matter of fact, when it came time that we wanted to build, this was previous to that, or was not me, this. Um, as a matter of fact, when it came time for us to build a little fire pit, we went right over to the fire station. We brought in drawings, dimensions. We said, this is, this is what we're going to construct the fire pit out of. It's going to be cinder blocks. It's going to be mesh, wire mesh. It's going to be covering the top. It's going to be down with rebar. Nothing flammable in that fire pit. Someone shout amen. <laughs> Anyhow, they approved it. And I think, I think the Bible college has a bonfire over their pit. That, to be said, what's to be left to be said is that um, 
at the end of the season, it actually turned into something not too, too bad. I had no fine, and the whole entire area was cleaned up, and fresh growth, <laughs> fresh growth came up out of the ground. It was beautiful. It's beautiful. You see, in, in the Old Testament, there was a place for fire outside the camp. There is a place for fire. There, there's a place and a purpose for fire. Fire is, is often the only way of God's plan of purification in our lives. When Israel was called upon to, to have a fire outside the camp, it was often the waste, the animal hides that, that shouldn't be or wouldn't be, couldn't be left in the camp. It was called to be brought out. The refuse and the trash was required to be burned outside the camp. The fire played its purpose in holding disease at bay, keeping people safe. Fire had its purpose. And I know that none of us could look at, I'm not trying to say that that, that horrible forest fire in Fort McMurray or the, what was lost was good, but it, <clears throat> I think that we, there is something good that happens in the path of fire. It, it, there, there's something beneficial that happens. If you look <clears throat> up online and search for the benefits of forest fire, you'll find that, that <clears throat> they often play a vital role in the renewal of the cycle of a forest. They have a purpose. They have a plan. Even a large and a severe fire doesn't usually wipe out an entire forest. Temperatures and conditions vary within the fire, which cause it to burn in a patchwork pattern. Fire refuges are often scattered throughout the forest when one naturally occurs, and, and those moist areas are used to protect from, uh, and they're protected from the burn, and, and they are capable of supplying a seed source to help repopulate the surrounding burnt areas after a fire. It's beneficial in some degrees, not totally beneficial, but there is a great benefit that happens. It clears out the clutter. It breaks down nutrients and minerals and burning plants and other debris such as logs and leaves and dense undergrowth, and it restores all that back to the soil to make it more fertile for the future. Can anybody see the benefit of why God said sometimes we need to have a fire burning in our life? New grasslands are sometimes created after fire, and many species of grazing animals can benefit from the change, the natural order within the food chain. It, it may be adapted somewhat, but it reestablishes it to this new changed ecology, and life is improved and even goes on after the fire. You see, we look at fire, and fire in the Old Testament was uh, a way of judgment, uh, uh, one of the ways that God brought judgment to humanity. We only have to begin reading through <clears throat> through the Old Testament, and we find that that God used it to to push out rebellion. God used it to get rid of Sodom and Gomorrah. God used it to to condemn sin. It was it was a means of judgment, but not exclusively to that order. At least four occasions, God sent fire not to consume sin and the sinner, but rather to consume a sacrifice because it was pleasing to him. Fire came down from heaven to consume the sacrifice that David offered on the threshing floor of Aaron the Jebusite in, in 1 Chronicles 21. To consume the sacrifice at the dedication of the temple in the presence of King Solomon, fire came down and the people of Israel watched as God was pleased with what was given to him. Fire came down to consume Elijah's sacrifice on Mount Carmel in response to the prophet's simple prayer in 1 Kings 18. Sometimes fire is a sign of God's promise, protection, and pleasure in your life. Fire isn't always bad. 
In the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6, the angel of the Lord puts forth his staff and he touches the flesh and the unleavened cakes that were prepared as an offering and a gift and there rose fire out of the rock and it consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes and then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Fire isn't always bad. There's a place for fire in our lives. The Lord spoke to Moses and he said, command Aaron and his sons in Leviticus chapter six and verse eight. He said, this is the law of the burnt offering. Bible college students get ready because you're going to be studying the tabernacle. It's a powerful, powerful portion of scripture uh, that talks us and it, and it lays out groundwork and it lays out typology for us. But, but it lays out this picture of what God wants in our life. God wants a fire to ever be burning in our life. Someone got the fire burning? Anybody get the fire burning? It said that burnt offering, he said, because of the burning upon the altar all night into the morning and the fire on the altar shall be burning on it. He said that the priest is going to put his linen garments on, but, but when he takes the ashes out, he's going to change his garments and he's going to, he's going to come, you know, make sure those ashes are outside the camp. But even, even the product of that fire wasn't just left with the refuse. The Bible tells, tells us that those ashes were taken to a clean place. The ashes weren't just kind of, they weren't garbage. They were significant of something powerful that happened for Israel. It was, a, it was a symbol of sin. It was a symbol of repentance. It was a symbol of, of something more than just trash. It wasn't just garbage. It was something that God had touched to purify. That's why God needs fire in our lives. And, and it, it, I just got two goals tonight. I, I want us to understand that the fire comes sometimes to purify us, but then the fire comes to mold us and to shape us and to use us. God has a purpose for the fire in our lives. The fire. The fire upon the altar was supposed to be burning. As a matter of fact, verse 13 said, the fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. Someone say never. We discussed four times where the fire consumed the sacrifice, but there were other times when the fire should have but did not consume. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1, it was the burning bush. It said, Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and then came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. The fire came, but it didn't consume. God promised that there was going to be fire in our lives, but it always wasn't going to consume us. It would not consume us. Sometimes God calls for our attention. He brings us into environments where he is allowing us to see his fire on display, and it gets our attention, and it, and it causes us. You know, Moses, was a, he was doing his own little thing. He was, he was shepherding sheep. He was taking care of the flock. He was doing everything that he should have or would have known to do. Now that his life was in sabbatical, now that his life was on hiatus now that he was outside of what he had intended to do no longer in Egypt he thought uh, this is this is my course for the remainder of time that I've got all of a sudden God arrests his intentions and God arrests him where he is and he calls for his attention to become what he called him to be God calls for our attention through the fire sometimes. Not a fire that's there to consume us, but a fire that's there to call us. It's to summon us. It's to encourage us to get up and get going into the plan that God has for us. If you're careful, you'll hear the call of God come in the fire. 
God's call is here in the room tonight. God's summoning somebody up and out of that place of discouragement, that place where you thought it was all over, it was all finished. But if you'll listen clearly, there's a call that's coming in this room tonight. The fire has, has shown up so that God could get our attention. God could call somebody out of that out of that, that, just that slum that you're in, that spiritual slum. You're not supposed to be there. God is calling you to a new place. God's calling you to a, a new level of dedication. God's calling you to a place where you can be a deliverer. Somebody shout amen. I feel the Holy Ghost. It's, it's just kind of beginning to stir up a little bit. Would you just kind of raise both hands for a minute? Because I don't want to go through this service, this sermon, without the fire of God moving in the room tonight. It'd be all right if you lifted your voice. I... Let your fire fall, God. Let your fire burn in this room. <clears throat> the fire was there, but the bush was not consumed. It was a burning, fiery furnace that everybody thought would be the end of the four Hebrew children. The idol had been erected, <coughs> grand and marvelous and incredible, and everybody was supposed to bow, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know the story. I, I won't take a long time to tell you, but I want to remind you what happened. I want to remind you what happened in the story. He said, Nebuchadnezzar said, if you be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, paltry, dulcimer and all kinds of music you fall down and worship the image which I have made well but if you worship not you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace and who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands I'll tell you who that God is because that's what happens in our life sometimes. There are circumstances that God allows us to walk into and all we can see is the burning, fiery furnace. And maybe not even just that. It's seven times hotter when we take a stand. And it's seven times hotter when we refuse to bow. It's seven times hotter. Sometimes it gets that way. But God allowed it not to destroy you, not to defeat you, but so that you, when you're cast into the fire, God's going to allow your enemies to begin to drop off one by one. When you're cast into the fire, the only thing that's going to happen is the bondage is going to burn off and you're going to get to know the fourth man in the fire like you never have before. That happens sometimes. You feel like I'm just cast into this. I didn't plan on this. I didn't intend for this. All I was doing was standing up for what was right. All I was doing was speaking my conviction. All I was doing was taking a stand so that people would know where I stood. But in that moment, I was cast into the fire. Don't worry. God's got a plan for the fire. It's just going to burn off the bondage. It's just going to release you to your potential. It's just going to release God's power in your midst. You're going to get to know him like you never have before. Fire came but didn't consume. It was Acts chapter 2 when the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. I'll use it. I'll take it. Like as of fire and it set upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'm grateful it isn't just a New Testament story that ended with the apostles. Somebody shout amen. 
I'm grateful that we've got it tonight. And as a matter of, it's not in my notes and I'm not trying to bait you, but I wish somebody would just raise your hands for a moment and exercise the gift of the Holy Ghost just for a minute. I think that we could allow cloven tongues like as a fire to rest in the room just for a moment. I think that we could allow his Holy Ghost to begin to burn in the room. It, it won't consume you. It's going to empower you. It's a gift that he wants to release tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Filled with the Holy Ghost. You may be compelled by the fire like Moses in Exodus chapter 3. You may be cast in the fire like the three Hebrew boys in Daniel chapter 3. You may be carried off in the fire like Elijah in 2 Kings chapter 2. But most of all, I pray that you're filled with the fire like Acts chapter 2 because when the day of Pentecost fully comes in our lives, it, it, there's something that comes along with it. I, I'm grateful for that sweet moving spirit. I'm grateful for when God brings tears to our eyes and, and we just feel his presence so near. But I'm grateful that there's some power that comes along with it. There's something that settles in with the Holy Ghost. There's a burning that comes along with it. It just, it, it compels us to become something that we're not. It moves us in a way. The fire. John said that there was one that comes after he, he, he could baptize with water under repentance, but there was one that was coming after him who was mightier than he was. He said, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. I he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody finish it. And with fire. It comes with fire. I need the fire at work in my life. I need the fire to burn some things out. I need the fire just to get me up and get me going sometimes. I need need that Holy Ghost, but I need the fire too. I, I think that maybe there's a move in, in some people's mind to get, let, let, let's, let's have the Holy Ghost. Let's have that sweet spirit. As a matter of fact, let's not even call it Holy Ghost because that might be offensive. That might, that might throw some people off. I, I'm sorry. We're just a little bit old school around here. I hope it hasn't thrown anybody off. I really do. I pray at that. But we need that spirit. That, but, but sometimes I think we we, we dumb it down a little bit. Sometimes I think we just make it so it's nice and, and it's beneficial and it's helpful. But, but John said that there was something that came along with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost didn't come independent of this. He said, he shall baptize you with, I want to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. I want it. I want it. I don't just want a little touch of it. I don't want it to sneak by. I, I want to be baptized with it. I want to be immersed in it. I want it to go from the tip of my toes to the top of my head. I want it to stretch out to my fingertips. I want it to be, I want to be engulfed. I want to be immersed in the Holy Ghost. I want to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. But I don't just want to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. I want to be baptized with the fire as well. And God has a plan to baptize us with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I don't even know what that all means yet. I'm praying that God will show us. I'm praying that God will reveal it. I'm thankful that we've got the Holy Ghost, but I'm praying God, would you bring it with fire? Bring fire along with that precious spirit that you're about to release in our lives. Bring the fire with it. Bring the fire with it. It was Hugh Latimer died 16th of October in 19, or sorry, 1555. He was a British clergyman. He was a Protestant martyr. 
It was during the reign of Mary I of England. Nicholas Ridley was his friend, who was also going to burn at the stake with him at the same time. They were called heretics for their teaching and their beliefs outside, <coughs> outside of the Roman Catholic Church. They had got a hold of something. And they were, because of their preaching, about to be burned at the stake. They were going to be burned with a natural fire. But there was a fire that had been at work inside of those men before they ever came near the stake. There was a fire that God had put on the inside before they were ever going to experience a fire on the outside. Before they died that horrible death, and I can't imagine what it would have been like. I can't imagine uh, a flames that would be licked. I, I can't imagine what that, what that, how horrible that would be. But before they experienced that horrible natural death, they had already experienced a powerful fire on the inside. And it was Mr. Latimer that, sp that spoke to his friend. He said, play the man, Master Ridley. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust shall never be put out. What was he saying? He said, they may burn us at the stake in the natural, but my prayer is that something will be kindled in the supernatural. Church, can I remind us that that is what our world needs today. The enemy, he wants to burn us at the stake. He wants to burn us with a natural fire. But if we can get kindled on the inside with a supernatural fire, the natural fire on the outside really isn't going to matter. We shall this day light a candle by God's grace in England, as I trust, shall never be put out. Hundreds of years later, we're still talking about those two men because there was a fire that burned on the inside. God intends for us to burn and burn brightly. Matthew 5.15, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and it giveth light to all that are in the house. That fire is going to be a light in your world that they need. Our prayer tonight is that God lights a fire in us to purge us and propel us into the plan that God has for us. I'm getting ready to close. I'm not a long time tonight. But could you just let that spirit of God touch? As a matter of fact, just let the Holy Ghost move for a minute and fire. Come on, there's a compelling to turn aside for somebody because you're going in the wrong direction. You're walking with the wrong purpose. And God is calling tonight. There's a fire, a bush that's not being burned, a fire that's compelling you to turn. There's a nation to be freed, a people to be delivered. And God is just looking for someone to be set on fire. You may be like the Hebrew children. You may be cast into the fire, but God is just loosing the bands of bondage. Bondage in your spirit, bondage in your mind, bound by your habits and addictions, bound by fear, bound by doubt, bound by discouragement, bound by depression, bound by sickness. And God wants to burn the bondage free in that fire tonight. Don't resist the fire. There's a purpose in it. Someone say, God set me on fire.
God's looking for someone not just to be compelled or cast into. He is looking for someone to baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. It's that time of year. Ryan, you can come back if you would. It's that time of year where I start collecting wood, checking the woodshed, seeing what's left from last year for kindling, for fuel, calculating what I have, trying to figure out what I'm going to need, how much do I want to lug this year. I go into every winter with the same goal, keep the stove warm. In other words, keep the fire burning. It's work. Anybody lug wood? Anybody burn wood? Anybody not just, I mean, how many just go to the thermostat and twist the knob? Smart people. My problem is I can't get warm with electric heat, or so I've told myself. So my goal is to keep that stove warm all winter. So it's a responsibility. Right now, it's, it's kind of nice. You don't think about it, but in the winter, you do. When you wake up, it's one of the first things that you think about. As a matter of fact, I usually do my Bible reading down by the fire while it's getting going. Is that New Brunswick for you? Getting going. Because every morning, you may have had the fire on the night before, but every morning, you've got to open that door up. Before you do, you got to crack that draft a little bit and get the air moving. You don't want to open this, <clears throat> open, you don't want to open that door and fill the basement with smoke and wake everybody up with a beep, beep, beep. So you crack that draft and then you see that air beginning to move, the embers, they'll begin to glow. You know then you can open that door and and then it's not just firing the wood in. You gotta pause for a minute. You gotta get that poker out and you get those. I, I like to get the embers all even. I kind of build them all up in the middle. Alan, you know what I'm talking about. Get the embers built up in the middle. And you get a, I usually get a stick of wood on one side, dry wood, and stick on the other side. And then I get a thinner stick and I kind of lay that horizontally across the top of those few sticks and put a couple small sticks in there. And then shut that door, open the, open the draft right up. get the fuel position, get the air moving. If you want the fire to go, I mean, it, it, it might go if you just kind of open the door and drift a couple sticks in, clam it up and head out. It might go, but more than likely when you get home, it's just going to be two unburnt sticks in your stove. Cold house. Paul told Timothy, he said, wherefore I put thee in remembrance, he said this, he, because it's a daily thing. If you want to keep the fire burning continually, it's a daily responsibility. He said, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up, someone say stir up. Stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. You see, there was a fire that was kindled in Timothy by that apostle when he laid hands on him and he com commissioned him into the work of kingdom. He said, for God's not giving you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. But that word, stir up, 
If you go back to the original language, it's two words together, two Greek words together. It's anazapyro. You know that one, pyro. It means to rekindle or stir up. In other words, the fire's there, but you gotta you gotta work it a little bit. You gotta get those embers together. You, if you get if you get, let me just tell you a little bit about burning in the wood stove. And that was my experience. Someone may prove me wrong, but my experience is if you get all those coals scattered around the stove and they're not together, they're not very. It's not gonna be significant. You're gonna be working harder to get the fire going. But if you get those coals all together. And you kind of just stir everything up. You get, you get the old ashes off the top of them so the air can hit it. And they're burning. Well, they're nice and orange. That's what I like. It's stirring it up. It's stirring up. And Paul used those two words to re-enkindle. He used those two words to talk about what was happening in Timothy. Now, Timothy was a powerful, powerful man, powerful pastor. Had anointing on his life. Had commission. But Paul still told him, he said, stir up the gift. So I've come with a simple word tonight, simple lesson to all of us, that we've got to stir it up. We've got to stir it up so the fire burns bright. We've got to, we've got to stir it up. We've got to make sure that, you know, to stir it up, it isn't just stirring the coals up because the intention after you stir it up is that you get the fire going. So you take some wood and you've got to get the wood in on it and make sure the wood's not all soaking wet. Don't leave it under the drain spout. Don't leave it all covered in snow. Don't, don't bring it in all soaking wet. You've got, you got to keep it covered up. Keep that fuel where you where you need it and where you want it so that when you put it in the stove, it's going to go. You get, you get those embers, you stir them up and you get them all in place and you, you open that door just a little bit and you let that air begin to go and the fire just... And that's what God says. We got to stir up. We got to stir up the gift that's in our lives. We got to stir up that fire on the inside. I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost, but it came with fire. And the fire says, I've got to stir up some things in my heart. I got to stir up some things in my spirit. I, I got to open the Word of God because I'll tell you what happens. That Word becomes kindling. It becomes something in my spirit. It stirs something up. It, it gives something to burn in my spirit all day long. It gives something there so I, I, I'm not just inactive. I'm, I'm focused. I'm prepared. I'm, I, I'll tell you what else gets something stirred up in your spirit. Begin to pray. Begin, begin your day with prayer so you can, you can talk to God and say, order my steps today. And, and God put me in the path of somebody that needs what I've got. Let my light so shine before men and I can't do it unless the fire is burning. Stir up. Someone say stir up. And we may as well stand up. Stir up that gift. So God, his intention for sometimes when we walk through the fire not to be burned, it isn't to burn us, it's to light us and purpose us so we can become a light in the world that we have. Great need in the darkness. If it's appropriate, why don't we just put our hand on the shoulder of our neighbor, ladies with ladies and men with men or family. I just, there's something about the fire flowing from vessel to vessel. There's something about it. Paul said it, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift that is in you by the laying on of my hands. That apostleship created something in Timothy's life. And, and I'm just wondering if we could let the fire get stirred up in our spirit. I'm wondering if it could become light in the midst of darkness. I'm wondering if it could become heat in the midst of the cold world that we're living in. And I pray, God, let that fire become something in us today. Lord, somebody feels like their fire's gone out. 
But here's what I know. Somebody in the room, they're baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I pray that it would flow from vessel to vessel. God, that it would kindle something in every heart, in every life. Stir it up in us tonight. God, stir the Holy Ghost. We release it to work. But God, let that fire be released in our spirit. Let something happen on the inside of us. God, God, give us the spirit of those martyrs of old. God, let our lives become something that releases a revival. I thank you, Jesus, for being here in the room tonight. God, I thank you for your voice talking louder than ours. And God, someone with that ear to hear, you're calling them. They're summoning them. God, your courage is coming to them right now. You're releasing them. You're releasing the bondage of whatever's held them back, God. Your purpose is coming to them. Your plan is coming into their life. God, I pray you burn off every ounce of bondage, every part that would hold us back. And God, release us into your purpose and in your plan, we pray. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for the power of your word. And God, I thank you for people with hearts to receive it tonight. But Lord, the message isn't just for this room. It's for a community out there that needs what we have. It's for a world that desperately is looking for the light. So I pray, God, that you would allow us to be filled to overflowing with your spirit, but not just let that. Let your fire burn in our lives. Burn out everything that's wrong. God, burn out everything that shouldn't be. God, let it be that purification. Let it be that opportunity for growth. God, get rid of the things that need to be got rid of. But God, I pray that you would release, God, that fire that would bring purpose and passion. God, that fire that would call us to action. God, that fire that would be the catalyst in our life to move us, God, from our place of Laodicea into the place of purpose that you have for us. God, let that happen tonight in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, we ask it. The church said amen. Amen. It's been good to be with you in the house of the Lord. How many want God to set them on fire tonight? I mean, if it's available, if it's there. If, if John said he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, I don't want half of what God has available. I don't want half. I don't want just half. I want the whole package. That's what we're all about, isn't it? Somebody want it all? I want it all. Holy Ghost and fire. Someone shout fire. Amen. God set me on fire. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name. God bless you. Greet one another.